You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app and find one of our Locked On rooms. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, today, have a special guest on the show today. I have Jake Painting of Canis Hoopus and also uh, a host of his own podcast, the Paint Points Podcast, on to talk specifically about Leandro Balmaro. We talk a little bit more broadly about the Timberwolves roster rotation, et cetera. Uh, but I wanted to have him on to talk about Balmaro just prior to the Olympics and and possibly, you know, Balmaro has been on NBA TV and uh, a little bit here over the past week, week and a half uh, on the Argentinian national team ahead of the Olympics. But I think for the most part, we'll all see him a little bit more here on the international stage in the coming days and weeks. And then also the NBA draft is now uh, 10 days away, a week from Thursday. So Balmaro is very likely the only rookie that will be on the Timberwolves roster at the start of next season. And uh, Rosas has already alluded to him as their kind of de facto draft pick from this year. Of course, one of their three first round picks from 2020 who um, hasn't set foot yet uh, on an NBA court. So I think it's topical to talk about Bomaro. So I have Jake on. We're going to actually play part one of the conversation here today. And then I want to close by talking a little bit about um, NBA finals from the weekend, as well as uh, Olympic U.S.-Spain game exhibition on Sunday. So we'll play part one of the Bomaro interview with Jake Painting and then talk Olympics, talk finals, and then part two will be on Tuesday's show. So that'll be today's episode. Uh, as always, a quick reminder, you can follow this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. That, of course, includes Spotify, as well as Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, and, of course, Odyssey. That's spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y, the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. And also at B-Beacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. Okay, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Jake Painting about Leandro Balmaro. And then after part one of that conversation, we'll talk finals and Olympics. All right, here's Jake. All right, I have with me Jake Painting from Canis Hoopus. He's a writer at Canis Hoopus and then also the host of the Paint Points podcast. Jake, how's it going? Yeah, very well. Thanks for having me on the show. It's It's been a minute trying to figure this out, trying to try get on together, but I'm happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you coming on. Excited to have a good a good Timberwolves conversation today. Um, and I, I want to start by talking, and I guess the, the main focus of our conversation will be about Leandro Balmaro, um, of course, one of the Timberwolves' three first-round picks from last year. And you wrote a lengthy piece over at Canis Hoopis. We're now, if, if, it was a couple, two, three weeks ago, but um, it's really topical now with the Olympics starting in roughly a week. Um, and obviously, Balmaro being a big part of the Argentine Argentina's rotation um, and, you know, a few other Wolves players played in the Olympics as well. And of course the draft is coming up in about a week too. And so, and, and with the Wolves without a draft pick, we've heard Gerson Rosas basically allude to the idea of Leandro Bomero, Bomaro possibly coming to the U S as, you know, basically the Wolves rookie this year. So I think it's a really topical, uh, you know, it, it makes sense to talk about Bomaro now um, headed into the draft in the Olympics. So I, you know, if you could, you know, Jake, Tell us just kind of a little bit about Bomaro. Like, I guess elevator pitch is maybe not the right term, but like if I was to say, I'll oh, give me a 30 to 45 second, like draft profile of, of a prospect uh, related to Bomaro. What, what would you say to somebody that doesn't know much about him? 
Yeah, well, I think it's hard always to to analyze European players. He's obviously South American, but players who have played in Europe just because it's such a different game style over there and, and, and so different in terms of how much time they give to, to young players and to, to develop them. They don't really develop them the same way they do in the States just because they know that these players are going to end up in other places in a year or in two years. So virtually he was he was a, a low-minute um, rotation player for Barcelona, which is one of the biggest teams in Spain, if not the biggest. Uh, they, they came runners-up in the Euro League, which is kind of the, the cup competition for, for all the teams in Europe, and then they won... The Spanish league, the the you know league that just the Spanish teams play in, um, his his minutes increased incrementally throughout the year. He he ended kind of playing around twenty five minutes a game, which is a really impressive feat for a team that that stacks a, a lot of veterans and a lot of players who who in terms of international experience or experience on the European stage are, are, are much more experienced than Balmaro. So so that's kind of the first thing to keep in mind context-wise with him, but he's a point guard or a combo guard. I think a lot of the, a lot of his minutes definitely came as, as point guard for Barcelona. Um, six foot seven, six eight wingspan, quite quite slight of frame at about 190 pounds. Uh, but just a guy who, who, who really competes defensively at the point of attack, a really tenacious, aggressive point of attack defender, and then a really smart passer, uh, a really smart playmaker for others, uh, really good in the pick and roll, Really good uh, in drive and kick game as a passer, and then an improved three point shooter. He was up at forty percent overall competitions this year after being at around twenty seven, twenty eight percent last season. So really improved there, and and then uh, still still improving as a as a finisher around the rim and as a guy who can get downhill, but but very athletic in straight line speed kind of way. Um, and and very smart as a player, which we often see. I think with with players who come from other countries, they're just really used to playing team basketball. So I think yeah, if you, if you go on that elevator pitch, the 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 small pitch, that's kind of the the main points I'd hit on with him. All right, next I'm going to ask Jake about to get into some more specifics about his defense and what that could bring to the Timberwolves, who of course have been sorely lacking perimeter defense forever, it seems like. Uh, so we'll get to that next. First though, let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. It tastes exactly like a candy bar. Do you know how many delicious flavors there are of Built Bar? Again, I, this isn't a, it is a protein bar, but it doesn't taste like one. You could get raspberry, mint brownie, salted caramel, cookies and cream is fantastic. If you haven't tried all the flavors yet, you can get a mixed box. You'll get two of each of the nine flavors um, and check out the macros. These are legit healthy, 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from just 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar and just four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. You can go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Oh, and there's this, headed into the Olympics that start later this week. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the US track and field team. There you go. Go ahead and get some Built Bars and be just like the U.S. Olympians from the track and field team. And again, that's Built.com, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, let's get back into the conversation with Jake Painting, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Bomaro's defense and what he'll bring to the Wolves. Yeah, and, and you mentioned point of attack defense is one of his strengths. And I mean, I think Timberwolves fans across the board would and, and should note that that's arguably the Wolves' biggest issue going back, I don't know how many years, but basically 
perimeter defense as a whole, on-ball defense, pick-and-roll defense, you name it, uh, the Timberwolves have really struggled in that category. And to me, and I've only watched, uh, you know, full transparency, a handful of Bomaro games, um, uh, really only a couple full games, I guess. And and it seems like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like that would be his number one skill that he's going to bring to the NBA, that he should be able to be effective from day one. Obviously, some learning curve with with the personnel he's going to be defending and also the way that fouls are called in, in the NBA compared to where he's used to playing. But um, that should be his number one thing that he should be able to slot in and be an effective, at the very least, an effective, you know, average, if not better point of attack defender on the perimeter. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think he's definitely a guy who's, who's hyper energetic uh, as a point of defa- uh, point of attack defender kind of in the way that, that Josh Okoge is rather than, you know, if you're doing a Timberwolves comparison, it's more Josh Okoge than it is Jaden McDaniels, how, how McDaniels is kind of always calm and collected and, and still gets the job done, whereas Okoge is kind of human chaos. Yeah. Uh, I think Balmaro is more that, that chaotic defender, uh, and that works for him. Um, like you said, he, he's going to have a bit of a learning curve in terms of the athletic deficiency from from the Spanish League and from the Euro League to the NBA. And I think we've seen already a little bit of that uh, in the game against the USA and the game against Nigeria in, in the World Cup warm-ups. But he, he is a re- he's a guy who really can defend at the point of attack. And I think that when when he learns the the tricks of the trade that he needs to bring over and, and kind of need to transfer from the European game, I think he's going to be really good. He, he really gets through screens well, which is obviously... Super important and something that that Minnesota really have have missed over the last few years, and, and would really help Carl Anthony Towns in pick and roll defense as well. Uh, and and then just really smart in terms of getting his hand on the ball, getting through dribble handoff action. Uh, j- just a guy I think who who like I said, once once he does kind of get his feet wet and, and start to to figure out how things work in the NBA, he's going to be a really good point of attack defender. Yeah, and I mean. As far as the Timberwolves go, I mean, uh, D'Angelo Russell. One of one of the worst things about D'Angelo Russell is he just doesn't fight through screens, and that's been an issue. And Ricky Rubio right. struggled with it quite a bit early last year, and I think he got better as he got you know in a little bit better shape as the season went on, and the team got a little better generally defensive, well across the board. But I mean, yeah, that I think defending in the pick and roll is something that um, that the Timberwolves are sorely lacking. And, you know, Jordan McLaughlin provided some resistance there when he was on the court, but Josh Okoge was kind of the only guy that could really consistently guard a ball handler and get through a screen. Um, And so being able to add somebody potentially to the rotation that could do that would be huge. You mentioned his shooting improvement. And I I know when he got picked and, and I, you know, I want to say last summer, but I guess that was just in November when we had the draft, but um, there was kind of this narrative that like, you know, hey, he's he could defend, you know, he could play make, but he's there's the shooting, you know, he's not gonna be able to his shots kind of unorthodox. Is he gonna be able to shoot the ball at the NBA level? And um obviously some of these other names we've talked about, Akogi, Rubio, uh Jarrett Culver probably at this moment is one of the Timberwolves top five on ball defenders, but he wouldn't be in the rotation because he's been so bad on the other side of the ball, uh, if if yeah. the season started today. Um but the Balmaro shooting improvement, it it sounds. I mean, that's a big enough sample to to believe that it could be legitimate. Is right? Is that? Am I crazy in thinking that? Yeah, I think with shoot with one year shooting 
outliers, it's always hard to, to figure yeah. out whether they are an outlier or right. whether they're just the new normal. You know, it, it was a 71-game sample size this season because they obviously play in multiple competitions. They play a ton of games in both, especially for Barcelona, who who go deep in both those competitions with, with playoff series and whatnot. So 71-game sample size is virtually, you know, a full NBA season. Shot 40.7% from for all those competitions. And his free-throw numbers as well went from 64% last season to 85% this season. Like, we know that free-throw shooting is usually a pretty good indicator of, of three-point shooting and, and of touch on the jump shot. So there is, uh, I mean, there's nothing but positive signs right now. Um and his shot mechanics, which are still funky and, and a little bit unorthodox, uh, definitely improved as well. They, they've they kind of, everything straightened out a little bit and his body seems to be working more as one rather than these two-shot, you know, hitch-in-the-jumper motions, which we know with, with Culver and with Markel Fultz and stuff like that. It's 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 a dangerous sign if they yeah. have that, that huge hitch-in-the-jumper and he doesn't have that anymore and he seems to be confident in his... In, his stroke, and that's kind of half the battle, I think, with guys who who need to improve their shot making. But it's hard to tell whether that's going to be something that that transfers over immediately to the NBA. But I think I'd be pretty confident in saying that he at least is on the right path to being a, a competent shooter, and, and definitely his confidence as a shooter has has soared through this last season. Yeah, and and we can get in a minute here. I want to get more into his role in the actual Timberwolves roster, potentially. You know projecting out what the roster might look like uh, here in a few months. But in terms of in terms of what I guess his ideal role as an NBA player, he's still young enough that it's it's really tough to to pinpoint like, hey, this is his ceiling. Um but I you know and this is always a dangerous game to play with with uh young players and guys who have just been drafted and obviously in Bomaro's case never stepped foot on an NBA court. But in terms of what his like most likely best case scenario, so maybe not like absolute best case ceiling, but most likely best case scenarios, he's a really good role player that potentially could be a starter in the NBA. And there's maybe a little bit more upside than that, but somebody who could start, you know, maybe he's not the, the actual, you know, by, by name point guard, but he's a, a starting wing who can create and kind of initiate offense. Um, that feels like the sort of game that he's going to have, and he's not going to be a super high usage guy that's taking a ton of shots or shooting even a lot from the perimeter. He just needs to be good enough from the perimeter to be dangerous and, and kind of, and, right. and obviously he's not, obviously he's not the same player as Ricky Rubio, but you know, pass first with kind of a little, some inconsistencies in his pass with his jumper. Uh, that was always kind of the hope with Rubio is that he could develop a little bit more on the perimeter. And as long as Bomaro can do that, and it seems like he is doing that, he could be more of that. Um, and this is maybe just a lazy, uh, you know, same country comparison, but like a Ginobili type, type, type player, maybe not to that you know, star level necessarily, but where he's got the ability to score a little bit, also distribute and knock down open jumpers when he gets the opportunity. But maybe he's, you know, defense, defense being his calling card, I guess, but being good enough on offense to actually add something um, to, to the offense, uh, whatever team he's on. Yeah, I, I like to think of him in, in the sort of connector role, the the guy who who connects your stars yeah. uh, inside a, a a starting five or a five man unit. Uh, a guy who can who can run pick and roll is more of a secondary ball handler, who can who can pass, who can shoot a little bit. You know, like like you said, shoot when when they're open, hit catch and shoot shots, uh, and then do all the little things and. and do them do them happily, I think, which is important. He's he's played for Barcelona. He was never 
a high usage guy, even when he was the de facto point guard of, of the team. He was never the type to to have a 30% usage rate. And that really, I think, will benefit him coming over to the NBA and, and being forced to play in that same sort of role player role. Uh, and, and he's used to that and, and he seems happy to do that. And, and he's got experience in doing that. So I, I think you're right with your analysis that he's going to be the, he's going to be your fourth or fifth option normally as a scorer in whatever lineup he's in, but he can do a lot of the little things that, that help you win. And in Barcelona, they were really happy with, with the way he did those things. And that's why his minutes grew throughout the year, because uh, on a team that has scorers and a team, they have Nikola Mirotic, they had Pau Gasol come over there throughout the year. Uh, Nick Kalathis, who, who was actually drafted by the Timberwolves in 2009, but, yeah. but played his NBA basketball with Memphis, I believe. Um, they're all guys who were, who were looking to score the ball pretty pretty often. So Balmaro learned how to, to fit in in between the gaps with, with guys like that and still managed to, to contribute to winning basketball and to, to keep himself on the floor. So uh, I do think that you're right in saying that he's kind of that, that glue guy, connector kind of player. Yeah, and similarly to what you were talking about, his play in, in EuroLeague this last year, I mean, for Timberwolves fans looking forward to Olympic basketball, we've seen some exhibition play already, but, um, you know, looking at, at the roster of the Argentinian team coming into the Olympics, they're maybe not as strong as they have been in recent years, but they've still got, you know, former NBA guys like Luis Scola. They've got Facunda Campazzo, of course, who's on the Nuggets and and started for them in the playoffs and was somebody the Wolves wanted on their team. Obviously, Pablo Prigioni, Timberwolves assistant, is an assistant on that team as well. Um, but the role that, uh, that, Bomaro is going to play in the Olympics is maybe not as it's not quite the starring role. I remember back when obviously Ricky Rubio burst onto the world stage in the Olympics, um, you know, forever ago when as a 17 year old and, and took the world by storm, it seemed like the NBA world, uh, you know, people that wanted him to be drafted to their NBA team. And, um, then in like ensuing years, like in FIBA and some other international competitions, I remember Rubio didn't play quite as much. And, and that was maybe a shock to Timberwolves fans that wanted to see, you know, their guy play more on the international stage. It it seems like that's going to be similar for Bomaro because he's playing with guys that have a lot more experience in general, um, more veteran type players. And he's going to be more of a rotation piece and not necessarily like a, a, you know, the epicenter of the offense for the Argentinian national team in the Olympics. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I think so. And I think when you look around all the teams that, that maybe aren't the USA, uh, that's kind of the, the mantra that they run with. Uh, the, the experienced guys who have been to Olympics before or, or have played in world championships before always seem to get precedence over the young guys. Um, obviously, you can hear my Australian accent and and the Australian team will, will always prioritise playing Paddy Mills and Matthew Dellavedova over guys like Josh Giddy, who who might go top five, six, seven in this year's draft, and and really has a big future, and, and he's getting the same treatment that Balmara is getting, which is kind of that that ten to fifteen minute range, if that. So I think when it comes to FIBA basketball um, and, and teams looking to to get a medal out of the World Cup, they're, they're really going to lean on those experienced guys, and, and unfortunately Balmara isn't that, so we don't we probably won't get to see him playing 35 minutes even though he he might have the most potential of anyone on the on the uh, Argentina team so it's just the way it works and I think you you've really got to earn your stripes in international basketball and, and that's what he's doing right now all right I'm gonna play 
part two of this conversation with Jake Painting on Tuesday's show. Part two, we get really into the Timberwolves. So we move away from the international basketball conversation, get into what Bomaro could bring to the Timberwolves, what his role could be on the Wolves, and uh, talk a little bit more about his competition for minutes on the Wolves roster. So it'll be a more Timberwolves-centric conversation um, regarding Bomaro's fit with the team. That'll be Tuesday's show. Today, though, here in a second, I want to get into uh, into looking at game six of the NBA Finals over the weekend, or excuse me, game five that was over the weekend, and then also uh, the U.S.-Spain Olympic exhibition on Sunday. So that's what we'll talk about here next. First, let's talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action online at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's a 50% welcome bonus. And the promo code's locked on. Promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's talk first about NBA Finals action. Game five was on Saturday, and game six is upcoming on Tuesday. Of course, anytime we talk about the finals, it's brought to us by Michelob Ultra. The road to the finals, all the playoffs, has been brought to us by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. All right, uh, so the NBA Finals have been turned on their head after the 2-0, 2-0 dominant start by the Phoenix Suns to this series, winning the first two games by double digits. Milwaukee came back and won both games at home, uh, one easily, the other in more dramatic fashion, and then went back to Phoenix in a pivotal game five and and put the Suns away down the stretch. And everybody knows, I, I think at this point, what happened. This was on Saturday. But down one, Booker's already got 40 points in the game, drives into the paint, turns and uh, Drew Holiday doubles down on him. Actually, they, he was already, Booker was already being swarmed in the paint, doubled and, and Drew Holiday grabbed the basketball as Booker pivoted around with his back to the basket, popped the ball in the air, got it, got out in transition instead of wasting clock and getting fouled, which would have been fine because he would have gotten fouled and he would have been able to put them up by a possession, made a pinpoint perfect pass to an unbelievably athletic Giannis Antetokounmpo in the perfect spot for an alley-oop and a terrible foul by Chris Paul, um, which allowed the Bucks to stretch the lead to four points and put the game away. The steal was great, uh, obviously, and, and the alley-oop doesn't happen without the alley-oop does not happen without the steal. But the pass on the alley-oop was unbelievable because it's it's a super dangerous play. Obviously, if he throws it out of bounds, the steal was basically for naught, and you're still in the up one, and you got to get another stop. Um, but I guess that's really the worst case scenario there, right? Because he threw it where nobody else could get it. It wasn't going to be a turnover as long as Giannis didn't didn't you know bat it back the other way and and uh, the Suns get a run out in transition, which would have been a disaster, but unlikely. Um, so obviously, great catch by Giannis, and the finish was incredible. But just a, a pinpoint perfect pass by Drew Holiday, um, and I mean that that to me, was was the more impressive part of that play. But again, obviously, it doesn't happen without the steal. Um, so, I mean, he's the hero in this game. Devin Booker, obviously, was great. And now, all of a sudden, in a series that was 2-0, and it felt like, hey, you know, my prediction was Suns and six. Obviously, that's not going to happen now. But for the Bucks to come back to Milwaukee and have a 
legit shot to put this thing away in six games on their home court. I mean, if you had said that, uh, you know, nine days ago or whatever, I like I, I, that would have been tough to believe with how well the Suns had been playing really all playoffs, but especially also the first two games of the finals. Um, and they, I mean, Giannis continues to be fantastic. And, and I think one of the things I said when this was one, nothing and, and I picked bucks and six, I said, all right, excuse me, I picked Suns and six. And I thought, you know, the reason this would go six was because Giannis is the best player. And, and usually you are in, in the finals, you pick the team that has the best player to at the very least, you know, if, if the team, the team with the best player is not going to get swept in the finals, right? Um, the team with the best player on the court and they're very likely going to win. But since they were already in a one Oh hole and the Suns were playing so well to me, it was, it made sense to pick the Suns in six, but Giannis wasn't just going to get, you know, pushed aside. I mean, he's been fantastic and, and, I also said at the beginning of the series that I thought Drew Holiday could be the X factor because everybody likes to talk about Chris Middleton and rightfully so, but Drew Holiday is such a good defender and they needed him to be solid with both Booker and Chris Paul, you know, able to do damage on the perimeter for the Suns. Um, and he's been really good. I mean, I mean, Holiday in this game obviously had the biggest play of the game, but also 27 points, 13 assists, three steals, only two turnovers, shot 12 of 23 of six on threes. Chris Middleton had 29, seven and five. And of course, Giannis had 32, nine and six. Um, and that was pretty much it. I mean, Pat Connaughton had 14, but it was really those three guys for the Bucks, and that's all they needed. The Suns, again, had good games from their three best players. Devin Booker with 40 points. Chris Paul had 21 and 11, and DeAndre Ayton had 20 and 10. And Ayton, of course, has been overlooked a little bit now over the past couple of games just because the Bucks have been winning, but he's just been phenomenal. Um, so really fun series. And game six is Tuesday night in Milwaukee with the Bucks having a chance to put the series away. That's going to be a ton of fun. So we'll talk about that on Wednesday uh, following that game. But the season's going to be over either way, of course, uh, following Thursday night, which is uh, game seven would be Thursday in Phoenix. So we'll talk about all that this week. And then the last thing I want to talk about today is Team USA against Spain. And this was the final exhibition game, I think for both teams on Sunday in Las Vegas. And of course, the U.S. had bounced back and won one game after losing their first two and then had Friday night's exhibition against Australia canceled after Bradley Beal tested positive and Jeremy Grant was considered a, a close enough contact to be in health and safety protocols. So that game was postponed. The Wol or excuse me, Team USA added JaVel McGee and Keldon Johnson to the roster and then had a tough test in Spain. I mean, Spain's sim in similar similar to Argentina is not quite the same Spain team as we've seen in past years with uh, aging Gasol brothers and, and some of the other guys kind of uh, aging off of the team, but they're still really good. And many of them, most of them have played together for quite a long time. Their coach, this is his third Olympics and he's been an NBA assistant coach as well. And uh, sure enough, Spain gave the team USA a run for their money. They were up at halftime. They're up for much of the second quarter. The second quarter was the U.S. got off to a good start. Then Spain pushed back and, and kind of the latter half of the first half, or I should say the latter, I don't know, quarter and a half of the first half was mostly Spain. It, at some point, it was basically like Ricky Rubio and Kevin Durant trading blow for blow in the second quarter, which was kind of strange. But Rubio had 23 points, which was a game high um, and was really good. Six of 13 shooting. He was only one of five on threes, but he got to the line a bunch, made all 10 of his free throw attempts. And it was fairly aggressive. And obviously, Team USA was allowing Rubio to get his shot. But, I mean, he did most of his damage when Spain was up. And then, actually, uh, the U.S. gained a lot of ground when Rubio was on the court in the third quarter. I mean, the U.S. was down a possession, I believe, at halftime. And then in the third quarter, kind of took over. Keldon Johnson had, I think, 10 points just in the third. Um, and was just really energetic. Had I, probably fresher legs than some of the other guys. Was ready to go. Ready to prove himself on on 
albeit an exhibition international stage. And with Rubio mostly on the bench, Team USA took a lead and did not give it back and, and kind of pulled away a little bit in the fourth, kind of held Spain. It was like a you know nine to 12 point game for much of the fourth quarter, ended up being a seven point margin. Uh, but Rubio led Spain with 23. Nobody else had more than 11. Um, he also had a minus four in the plus minus column, which was one of the better marks uh, among Spain's starters. And for Team USA, Damian Lillard led the way with 19 points on 14 shots. Keldon Johnson had 15 off the bench, seven of nine shooting from the field. Uh, it was just really good defensively as well. And uh, Durant had 14. Zach Levine had 13, had a, a nice burst from him as well. He was three of five on three-pointers. Um, and Rubio said this after the game in an interview, but basically said, hey, Team USA is going to be really good if they do click. It's just a matter of them not being familiar with one another. And, and we've said that. Um, and that's the case most years when it comes to Team USA and the Olympics is if the if the team that's assembled can gel, they're going to be just fine. Um, and I think that's still the case this year as well. So we'll keep an eye. Of course, opening ceremonies are this Friday. The first Team USA game, I believe, is Sunday. Um, so once that once that happens, we'll talk about it on next Monday's show. We'll, of course, keep an eye on Rubio in Spain. And, and there's some word now that Juancho Hernan Gomez's shoulder is in better shape than they thought. And there's even apparently a chance he plays in the Olympics. It sounds like he will travel with the team to Tokyo. Um, so we'll see how that all, all hashes out. And, of course, we'll update on that if he is shockingly available. I'd still be surprised if the Timberwolves were excited to let him play in the Olympics. But it sounds like he'll be around the team at least. So that'll be good uh, for Juancho. Um and then we'll, of course, talk about Argentina, you know, where Bomaro is playing along with uh, Pablo Prigioni as an assistant coach in Nigeria with Josh Kogi and their starting lineup. So plenty to talk about the Olympics here upcoming. Uh, on Tuesday on the show, of course, we're going to play part two of the conversation with Jake Painting about primarily about Leander Bomaro, although we're going to get very much into Bomaro's fit on the Timberwolves roster and rotation in our next, the next piece of that conversation. So be sure to tune back in on Tuesday. And if you're not already following the podcast or subscribing, you can do that anywhere you listen to podcasts. That of course includes Apple as well as Spotify, Google, the all new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow the show on Twitter and the Twitter handles locked on T-Wolves. And then my Twitter account is at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, that's all I have for you today. Of course, Locked On Wolves is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. A reminder that today's show was brought to us by Spotify Green Room. You can download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our Locked On Rooms. All right, that's it for you today. Once again, my name is Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.